0: You're good, you're good, you're good. You are so good to us. Father, I want to thank you right now that you're taking loneliness out of people's hearts and loneliness out of people's homes. Lord, even though loneliness may be a product of this moment that we're in, not for your people, Lord. I pray right now for anyone that's alone that, Father, loneliness would be replaced with just an incredible sense of your presence. Father, I want to thank you that you take out of the heart of man loneliness and you place joy. And Father, I thank you that, homes, people will know your presence in this week, in this month, greater than they ever have before. Amen. Oh, wasn't that a beautiful time of praise and worship? So thankful to Stuart and Carla and Steve for leading us this morning. I don't know about you, but I feel just enriched bringing my worship to the Lord. It's amazing when you worship the Lord, you can just refocus, can't you? That so much of what's going on in the world can be, look at me, look at me, look at me. And then all of a sudden you just come in. that moment of worship and you're like no I need to look at him I need to set my eyes on him fully on him from where my help comes from never forget church he's our very present help in time of need he really is he's in the boat with us he's in the storm with us don't forget over the next few weeks over the next few days there's going to be a lot of changes to meetings we're having meetings we're not just to fit in with the regulations that are now being given out by government. And uh, just to stay connected and aware, just keep watching the website, family.church. Anything you need to know that's been moved, cancelled, put on, we will be uh, letting you know loud and clear. And also don't forget, if you're a part of Family Church, uh, Pastor Stewart's emails, this is a good time to be reopening them if you haven't before. We want to welcome you wherever you've joined us from today whichever family church you're a part of, we're so glad that we've got this ability to connect with you live, with our worship, with our preaching, come into your homes, and in some ways spend time with you and your family today, and, and with you today. And uh, just really thankful. Studio looks nice. Um, just thankful to Brother Pete who came in this week and transformed it from uh, a pallet wood to something just nice, fresh and clean. And also to our teams that have been working so hard to get like the mix on the praise and worship and all that stuff, just big thanks to our team, uh, uh, just serving behind the scenes continually. Sometimes on a Sunday morning, you see kind of a swan on top of the water, which would be me. Meanwhile, uh, there's there's, uh, people running around behind the scenes adjusting things. Just really thankful for everyone that's just causing us to remain strong in this season. So a big welcome to you. If you're watching from somewhere around the world, if you've tuned in, If uh, you suddenly saw us on Facebook and joined us, just so thankful that you're with us today. I want to talk today about going into the harvest. I'm so excited that today is the official launch of my new book, Soul Winner. It comes out today. The website launches today, soulwinner.co.uk. And uh, as you know, if you're a part of Family Church, you would have pressed your link And you'll be getting a free one of these if you pressed your link. There's still time if you haven't coming to you this week. But also it's available to anyone that's watching. From today, it's the launch of Soul Winner. I am so excited about this book, not because I've written a book. I've written a few books now. I think this is number seven. What excites me about this book, Soul Winner, is I believe it comes at a crucial time. Um, Other times I've written books like Breathe Again and, and the devotional books. Yeah, they were relevant for the time that they were in, but not like this one. I really believe that this book comes at a moment that's crucial for us regarding understanding the importance of salvation in a person's life. What's its purpose? Why have I written Soul Winner? To mobilise and equip God's people to be harvesters in their harvest. I've not really written it to help you to be a harvester in the ends of the earth, but rather in that local Jerusalem your bespoke world, to teach you, to train you, to equip you, to be an effective soul winner for Jesus in this time and in this moment. We were reminded again last night by the uh, government broadcast that we're still in very interesting times. And again, using that key word that was so commonly used in March, unprecedented. Uh, These are unprecedented times, unusual times. It's like somebody is holding the finishing line And uh, every time you begin to see it or you think it's coming near, it's like somebody picks it up and runs off with it. But I want to encourage you, family, church. God is still God. Even though finishing lines seem to move or the goalposts of finishing seem to be moving all the time, God is still God. This doesn't affect God. God is still solid, stable. He's still our shepherd. He's still our Lion of Judah. But these are times, like we heard last night, that things are still moving and shifting in different ways. Now, there are also days when we believe uh, or I believe that we need to know who we are as the church of Jesus Christ and what we're on the earth to do. I really believe it's key that we understand we're not kind of just bumbling our way through like people that don't know Jesus. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen next. No, I believe we do know what's going to happen next. I believe that we can have a sense of God's presence, his guiding shepherd presence in this moment. I was reminded and I've shared it a few times over the last few months of what it says concerning the sons of Issachar. Now obviously they were a tribe of Israel and it says in 1 Chronicles 12 verse 32, I'm reading from the uh, International Standard Version and it says they kept up to date in their understanding of the times and seasons that they were in. Now, they didn't keep up to date just with worldly knowledge, but with what God was saying about the moment. But then the next bit I really like also, and they knew what they should do to respond. So when we read about the sons of Issachar, it says that they they had understanding of the time or the season that they found themselves in. But also, they didn't just sit there with understanding. They knew what they should do to respond correctly. I believe as the church of Jesus Christ, followers of Jesus Christ, we must understand the season, the moment that we're in from a biblical lens, from a prayerful lens, but also be active to be saying, God, what do you want us to do? What do you want us to be in this moment? To me, in many ways, this season is about ministering to people's needs. It's always about ministering to the Lord. Remember um, that we love the Lord our God with all our heart. That's the first commandment. That's the first rule of kingdom life. We love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our strength, all our might. But what's the next one? And we love our neighbour as ourselves. Now our neighbour isn't our Christian neighbour. Our neighbour is our neighbour. The people around us as we're walking through life. So we need to understand that we've got a moment where we can really be the light in the darkness that we spoke of in Isaiah 60 a few weeks back. We really can be God, not just his voice, but his hands and his feet to serve the needs of others. There's many needs, aren't there, that seem for many people to be deepening. For some, it's physical needs, actually getting food. Now, that's a very real need here in Portsmouth and the other cities that we're present. We're also working with our family in the Philippines to make sure needs are met there for not just our church family there but the people of the community that God's placed us in in Makati and other regions but you know our food bank has never been busier if you've got spare time on Thursday and you can drive around delivering food hey contact us we need more drivers why because the need is increasing more and more we're having families and they're saying please we need food that's a real need. And we as the church want to be responding to that need, which would be a physical need. People needing something physical in this time. Also, people are going through emotional things at the moment. Let's be a church that responds and helps and ministers to people in emotional needs that they may have. Like I said before, loneliness is very real. You know, for some people last night when they heard that announcement of another month of lockdown, their hearts sank because they were just getting ready to be around and with people in a different way. And almost it's like the goalpost or the finishing line moved again so suddenly, didn't it? It's our job to keep an eye on the people, not the saved people, the people that God's placed around our life, to be ministering any way we can. Be ringing people, be texting people. If you even can't be with them physically, be reaching out as the Holy Spirit prompts your heart. Be ministering or loving on people in their emotional needs, but also their relational needs. Again, when certain pressures happen, like with a, uh, economy and lack or fear, that can affect relationships uh, between parents and children and husbands and wives. Let's just be conscious that we're God's light in this moment of confusion. Be ready to step in and help someone navigate through this storm right alongside you. But I also believe that this is a time when we need to consider among these very real practical, these very real needs that affect a person's uh, body, their emotions, their heart, their soul. We especially need to think at this time of a person's greatest need. You say, well, how can you quantify a person's greatest need? Well, very simply, um, what need affects eternity and not just this life? That need is salvation. Listen, my friends, the greatest need a person has, and I'm not belittling the other needs, I'm just lifting this one above them, because I believe the Bible does that also. The greatest need that a person always has is their salvation. We need to be committed more than ever before to being soul winners, to being a people who are committed to go into the harvest field that the Lord has given us individually and see others find salvation in Jesus Christ. You see, when we talk about salvation being a person's greatest need, it really is. To me, unapologetically, I say I understand the other needs and I'm committed to helping people in them. But a person's salvation trumps every other need, every other need. Why? Because it doesn't just affect a person's experience here on earth but it determines where they will spend eternity. Will they spend eternity? That's not a moment, that's not a season, that's not 70 years, that's eternity. Will they spend eternity in a heaven with God or uh, a lost eternity away from him? That all comes down to one decision. Did they hear about Jesus? Did they get an opportunity to respond to what Jesus has done for them at the cross? We need to carry that message because, you know, the gospel is good news. But how will people hear good news if others don't carry it to them? So, like I said, I believe that the greatest need among the other needs that we're committed to helping people with remains the soul, the eternal soul of a person and when they, where they will spend eternity. Listen to how Jesus put this, puts this in the book of Mark, chapter eight. If you've got your Bibles, just turn to Mark chapter 8. In Mark chapter 8, verse 36 to 37, he says, What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit or lose his soul? Come on, that's a great statement. What good is it if a person gets everything in this life they need? Now, that's not wrong. But what good is it if they do all of that only to lose their soul? We're committed to helping with every need a person may experience. But to me, the greatest need that we need to be responding to right now is leading people into a real and meaningful relationship with Christ. Then it carries on in verse 37. Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Now, we're living in a time where people are trying to get, trying to get, trying to get influence, trying to get more money, trying to get bigger houses. Some are trying to survive, others are trying to thrive. But the question that Jesus poses here is a very good one. What if you get everything that you said you wanted? What if you get what you need, but at the end of the road, you lose your eternal soul? You lose the life of your soul to a lost eternity. We need to think about these things soberly. The greatest need in a person's life is to know Jesus, to hear about Jesus. Oh, there's so many preachers of religion out there. The world doesn't need any more preachers of religion. It needs to hear from God followers, people who are followers of Jesus, people whose lives have been transformed. We need to be introducers to our friends and family, to this incredible Jesus who's changed our life. We do, not, we do not send people to hell taken care of. Let me just unpack that statement because it could sound brutal. You know, we're, we're committed to food bank. We're committed to meeting people's physical needs. But we must remain committed to their eternal well-being. Otherwise, we can feed them, fatten them. But yet, at the end of time, they'll still go to a lost eternity. Again, it's not a matter of either or to me. Let's give people what they need. But let's also never lose a moment of telling someone of how incredible Jesus is and how he saves. More than ever, our focus must be on the harvest, reaching the lost, bringing people in. What do we mean by harvest? When Jesus mentioned harvest, he wasn't talking of wheat and barley. He was speaking of people, people who were separated from them. His commission to us, not to the church leaders, to all of us, his followers, is go and get those who are still separated and bring them into my family, bring them into my kingdom. You know, I've adapted a statement that I read once in a plaque when I was travelling through the mountains of Tennessee. A couple of years ago, I was with my family and we were driving through the different mountains of Tennessee and West Virginia, beautiful Beautiful experience. And every gift shop that we went to had this plaque on the wall, or a t shirt or a hat. And it was a statement made by a man, <coughs> excuse me, called John Muir. And he wrote it in 1873 to his sister in a letter. And it was a cry of him being a man that loved the mountains, wanting to return. And the statement was just simply, Over oh, mountains are calling, and I must go. Great statement especially if that mountain man was living in the city and was, was missing the mountains of his childhood. But this statement was, the mountains are calling and I must go. Listen, I've stolen that statement. I've adapted that statement. To me, that statement sounds like this. The harvest is calling and we must go. If you listen, you can hear the harvest calling. People needing to find Jesus. You can hear Jesus calling you into the harvest. Why do I like that statement? Because it says the harvest is calling. Listen, my friends, the harvest is our calling. It's not optional extra. And it says the harvest is calling and I must go. Those beautiful words in the Great Commission. When Jesus sent us to lead others to him. We need to lift our eyes, just like Jesus told us to. The beginning of the year, January, remember our vision, our 2020 vision. Nothing's changed. Lockdown restrictions hasn't affected our vision, church, because we set sail this year to lift our eyes to see the harvest as we should. The only thing that's happened, in my opinion, is it's become more ripe than what it was then. John 4, 35. Lift your eyes and see the ripeness of the harvest. You know, as I've been sharing Jesus with people, over this last week. I've just seen incredible ripeness in people. I want to encourage you, maybe you shared to your friends and family with Jesus years ago and you didn't get a good reaction. Try again, things have changed. A lot of what people have trusted in has now been shaken. Um, I was out this week, I was over in Stoke-on-Trent recording at UCB and uh, with our dear friends, uh, David LaRue and the team there at UCB. And I had the privilege of being there three days doing radio interviews and stuff like that. And as a part of it, I got to go out and eat a couple of times with David and we got to hang out and eat. And both times we went to like a pub to eat. Um, I was sitting there and I felt a prompting of the Holy Spirit to just ask the waitress who she thought Jesus was. Now, when you get my book, you're going to read a whole chapter on how that causes us to easily initiate a conversation. But I was just at the end of a meal. The 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 waitress came. The first waitress, her name was Annie, and she came. And I said, "Can I ask you a question, Annie? Who, who do you who who do you think Jesus was?" And she wasn't offended. She didn't storm off. She said, "I think he was a good guy." That led into a very real conversation where I didn't see someone just um, just keeping me happy, but genuinely interested. Because I said, "Listen." Um, I think you've been exposed to religion, you've never met Jesus. Would you be up for meeting Jesus and starting a relationship if he was real? And by the end of the conversation, she was, absolutely. And she said, when I go home tonight, I'm going to pray. If you're real God, show me. You know God's going to answer a prayer like that. The next night, we were in a completely different pub and just getting some food after we'd been recording. And again, a waitress came up. And uh, I said, what's your name? Her name, Annie. So I had Annie the night before. I've got Annie now. And I said, Annie, can I ask you a question? She, yeah. Who, who do you think Jesus was? She said, um, I'm not really sure because I'm an atheist. I said, Ah, oh, great. Hey, thanks for your honesty. Can you tell me why? And we just had a conversation and I found within her such a ripeness. that At the end of the conversation, she said, I don't think I am an atheist. I'm going to go and study um, creation. And, um, and I said again, would you pray this prayer for me? If you're real, God prove it. There was such a ripeness, guys. Such a ripeness. There wasn't like, oh, don't bother me. But in both these girls, the the second one was drawn to tears as she considered the option that would replace the atheism she'd believed, that there was a creator God that adored her. Listen, the fields are ripe. We can't stay quiet. The harvest is calling and we must go. It's about mobilising harvesters. That's the season we're in. That's why I've written Soul Winner to mobilise you as a harvester. I believe that we're mobilising harvesters now that are young and old, that come from different backgrounds, that have been saved a week and have been saved 40 years. It doesn't matter what makes up who you are. What matters is, will you allow the Lord to mobilise you to be a soul winner at this time, to take you beyond the boulder of your excuses or your fears? Remember when he said to the, the fisherman, he said, Come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You see, Jesus just wants us to respond. Then he's the one that makes us into a soul winner, gives us everything we need to be an effective one. Our choice is will we do it, will we go? When it comes to evangelism, we have to realise we're in an incredible moment of shift when the status quo of evangelism is being upset and I really believe divinely reset. Let me look at that for a second. When it comes to evangelism, as we've known it, things have shifted and we need to dare to shift with them. There's a shift in the status quo of what was normal to us. Normal evangelism for many people was, listen, I may bring somebody to church. I'm going to bring them to the, the meeting. Um, I'm going to let them see the, church of, of the lights of the church on. I'm going to bring them. You're going to preach, Andy. And you're going to give an opportunity at the end to, um, to receive Jesus. And I'm going to hope they lift their hands. And a lot of our evangelism was um, stage-based or meeting-based. I believe that the Lord has now shifted that. And taken evangelism, that's taking the message of Jesus and his salvation to others from the stage and into the lifestyle of believers. People like you and me. I believe there's a shift in what should be expected from church ministry. Again, for many years we've seen pastors, including me, evangelists, prophets, teachers, apostles on stages, in many ways doing all of the work. Yet in this moment of divine shift, we're returning to, I believe, a true understanding of Ephesians 4, where it says that the evangelist, the prophet, the pastor, the teacher, the apostle, these people who have an ascension gift or a fivefold call, as we may call it, a returning to what the Lord asked of them. Equip the saints for work of ministry. You see, the evangelist was never meant to be the greatest showman. You know, sadly today, that's what many evangelists have become. They walk out on a stage in front of a few thousand, whoa, whoa, whoa like the greatest showman. Not that that's wrong if it brings souls in, brilliant. But God's doing a new thing. He's causing evangelists to train others, equip others to be confident in sharing Christ. Come on, if the way that we've done evangelism over these last years that preceded where we are now were that effective, then why haven't they been that effective? It's a new day. The status quo of evangelism is being shifted. It's no longer about a few people on stage. It's about you and me as followers of Jesus saying, I hear the harvest calling and I will go. It's a time when we all need to see ourselves as missionaries. Remember a couple of weeks ago I shared on missional thinking. Come on, we want to continue to look in the mirror and see ourselves as branded soul winners. You know, I've started to produce some of these shirts with soul winner on. Why? Because I want to brand people so that when they look in the mirror, they're reminded, I am a soul winner. But when other people see us wearing shirts with soul winner written on it, they're like, This is someone I need to talk to. Come on, we need to look in the mirror and see missionaries, not church attenders. The day of you seeing a church attender in the mirror as you leave for church on Sunday morning, it's done. It's time to now realise that you are a missionary and God is calling you to your mission field, which isn't Jerusalem in the ancient uh, city of Israel, the old nation of Israel, it's your harvest field, it's that place that's bespoke to you. It's, it's the people you're in contact with, with your neighbours. And you say, but they're locking us down, Andy. Listen, no one's stopping our commission. You can lead people to the Lord through through social media. If you've got a heart to do it, nothing's stopping us. You can still talk to your neighbour. You can still ring your friends. No one's stopping us sharing the gospel. Our mission has not been stopped by any of the regulations that the government have set in place. We need to motivate our hearts. Come on, let's use social media. Let's use every opportunity. Um, Again, we're not talking about evangelism to the multitudes. We're talking about evangelism to the one, that person, that one person that you meet. It's time for us to hear the harvest calling and respond. Maybe God is more in this moment of church being different than what we truly know. I'm not saying he's the author of COVID or anything like that. I'm just saying in this moment where church is so very different to what we knew in January. Again, in this time, you're either, you're either a pessimist, a realist or an optimist. I'm very much an optimist to the bone, even though I am a realist. But I'm certainly never a pessimist. Because I believe that Romans 8:28 says, And God is at work in all things for good for those who love him and accord according to his purposes. What if God is more in this moment than what we know, taking evangelism and soul winning from a few and, and making a passion of the many? We don't have a choice about some of the things that are asked of us or some of the regulations or uh, requests or even laws that are now being put in place concerning what we can do and what we can't regarding church but we do have a choice how we respond you know when I hear some of the regulations and government guidelines and they say we now need you to do this as a church I can't control many of those but I can control how I respond church I want us to respond uh, as evangelists as soul winners as missionaries because you see many pastors are kind of sitting in this moment I think they're missing the point they're just kind of when can we meet again? When can, we, when can I regather the people I had before? That's not me, family church. I'm not wired that way. That's too small in thinking for me. You know what I'm thinking? How can we use this moment where church is very different to train, equip, and send as many of our people, as many of you that are viewing, into their individual harvest fields, to lead others to Christ. Because you know what the effect of that will be? No, don't get me wrong. I love meeting together and I'm looking forward to doing it, hopefully in the near future rather than in the far. But one day when we open our doors again, Family Church, it won't be the same people that came before returning. But you'll have someone on your left arm that you led to Jesus. You'll have, you'll have Harry on your left arm that you, you led to Jesus. You did it. You'll have Mary on your right arm that that you led to Jesus. When church was shut and the doors were bolted, you led them to Christ. Come on, we can actually grow the church in this season if we dare to think differently. I will not be a pastor that leads you to sit at the gates of our locked buildings waiting for them to open. I will be a pastor that says to you, carpe diem. We seize this moment, become a harvester, become a soul winner. Make a decision in your heart how many people you are going to personally introduce to Jesus in the time between now and when we meet together as we once did. We're still commissioned to the harvest field. You see, when Jesus said, go into all the world, start at your Jerusalem, your local world, Judea, Samaria to the ends of the earth. He wasn't speaking to church leaders. He was speaking to everyone that was a follower of him. It's interesting that word co, I love that word co. It means to be a part of, to be joined with, to be together with. Whenever you hear that word co or that that, that prefix before, it means that whatever's coming next, you're included. Come on, we understand this and we rejoice in this when we read the Bible and it tells us that we've been co-crucified. Come on, when we read Romans 6, it says that his death was our death, his burial was our burial, and his resurrection to newness of life has become our resurrection right now to newness of life, in this life and the one to come. What does that mean? We have benefited from a co-crucifixion, that our old man was crucified with Christ on the cross. Also, when we think of co, the Bible reveals that Jesus has now made us co-heirs together with, a part of, with him. The Bible reveals powerfully that we are now, he's taken us from separation and he's made us heirs to the Father. Oh, isn't that amazing? And joint heirs with himself, the Son. So we've been co-crucified, great benefits there. We've become co-heirs, heirs to the Father, joint heirs with the Son. Wonderful inheritance there. But why do we not respond with such passion with the other well-known co, which is the great co-mission, where Jesus says, I need you to be activated as a soul winner in your harvest field. You know, when people say to me, I just want to be closer to Jesus, one of my responses always, well, go into the harvest field, because you're always closest to a person when you're next to them doing what they're doing. If you want to spend time with uh, a person that's in your world, it's often when you go and stand next to them in what they're doing that you get to get better time with them. I really believe that Jesus is in the harvest field right now, and he's saying to you and he's saying to me, come and join me. We've got a harvest to bring in. Like I said before, I'm 100% committed to the church and us as a a, a, a body of of God-lovers, meeting every physical need we can, helping people in their emotional needs, helping people in relational needs. I am 100% invested in, in being the hands and the feet of God, not just the voice of God in this time to people in need. But the greatest need a person has is whether they receive or hear about Jesus and have the opportunity to come into his kingdom because that decision won't just affect this life, or affect this life. But like I said, the one to come also. So God's calling us to go. The harvest is calling us. No government, legislation or guidance has affected our mission. None. It's affected our buildings and our meetings. We're doing them a little bit different. But the commission of Jesus Christ to you and me, to be soul winners in our daily lives, Nothing has affected that, and nothing can affect that. So the harvest field is calling. What will our response be? Maybe you've got different responses. Maybe, you know, as I've shared with people about soul winning, there's often a common thread of um, responses that I hear. I don't know how. I don't know how. I I know I should, but I don't know how. Andy, I don't know how to initiate a conversation with someone about jesus i don't know how to carry jesus in so that i can introduce him in a way that people will want him it's a good question very very good question who do i go to is another question where do i start it's a good question very very good question what do i say is another question i hear because again we don't want just people to go We want them to so understand the message of their salvation that when they have an opportunity to share it with another person, they're sharing truth that can save that person's soul. That's why in the book I was really excited when I was writing this book and um, I'd written the first few chapters on the need for us to go, why we should go, the harvest fields, how we go, who we go to, ways of doing evangelism that's effective, and I thought I was done. And then um, all of a sudden I felt the Holy Spirit prompt me and say, no, now you need to teach on the message that we go with. There's an account in the Old Testament where Joab was sending a message to David about the war and and the death of Absalom, and he looks for a messenger. And uh, this young man pops up and says, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. And Joab says, "Uh, no, not this time. And he sends a Kushite. The Kushite must have been a little bit fatter or slower, but he understood the full message. And the young guy kept on, let me go, let me go, let me go. And in the end, Joab turns around and says, go. And this young kid takes off running, overtakes the Kushite, gets to David. And David says, what's the message? What's the good news? And basically, the young guy turns around and says, well, I'm not quite sure. And ends up giving him half a message. And David must have rolled his eyes. And then all of a sudden the Cushite arrived, the true messenger, and sat down and told David everything he needed to know. Listen, we want to release you as soul winners, not just with a very simplistic understanding of Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Yes, he did. But the gospel message, salvation, is so much richer than that. So in this book, the final chapter equips you to know what it is to be saved. One, so that you have a confidence in sharing Christ with others, but also when they've given their life to Jesus and they need to now know what just happened, you know exactly how to disciple them and meet with them and go, have you considered the new creation? Have you considered death, burial, and resurrection? Have you considered uh, all the different... So I've put 24 key aspects of what you should know about the gospel in there. So it's really a Swiss army knife. It's got, like I've put on the front, everything you need to know to lead another person to Christ. So I'm excited today that that's launching, the website's launching, which we're going to do training seminars and evangelism and stuff on. That's soulwinner.co.uk. In this book, I'm going to teach you how to know how to do it, how to do it correctly, effectively, what to say when you get the opportunity, um, I believe that in this book, just like Jesus said to the fisherman, if you will give me your yes, I will make you a soul winner. Remember when he said that to the fisherman? He said, Come with me and I will make you fishers of men. But it starts with us. I was reminded this morning of Isaiah 6, verse 8, where the prophet Isaiah hears a conversation in heaven. And I think this conversation who shall we send? Who shall we send? Who shall we send? And all of a sudden in response, Isaiah turns around and says, Here I am, Lord. Send me. Listen, if you want to be an effective soul winner, if you want to help people cross from death to life, if you want to help, help people, if you want to help us plunder hell and populate heaven, God's just looking for your response this morning. If I give you opportunities, will you use them? If I give you a a point of conversation with someone, will you take it? Who shall I send? I hope that you join me in my response this morning. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Whether it's a man at a bus stop, whether it's the neighbour over the fence, whether it's someone on social media, someone I ring, a family member that you prompt me to ring, Lord, I will no longer stay silent because this moment that we're in, it's a key time, like we've shared before. Just maybe we're closer to the return of Christ than any of us have perceived. But on that day, if Jesus was to return today, what if, what if he was? Do you know that many of your friends and family that don't know Jesus will go to a lost eternity? And that's not acceptable. We can't save them, guys. But we can let them know about the one who can. All God wants us to do is take who we are, our fears, our good bits, our bad bits, and say, Lord, I'll meet you in the harvest field. So I'm excited. Today we launch Soul Winner. My heart behind this is that suddenly there'll be an outbreak, not of some virus or plague in family church, but of Soul Winner's. But all across our congregations and in the lives of others who are watching us and joining us on this online church journey, people will begin to stand up and say, send me Lord, send me Lord, send me Lord. And as we all move into our harvest with a heart to see souls saved, that comes from an understanding, what does it profit a man if he gain everything and loses soul? We're going to see so many people coming back to church when we rejoin for our services. Oh, forgive me if I dream a little bit with this. I'm like, okay, the school eventually say in Portsmouth that we can meet there again. And all of a sudden we send out an announcement. Oh, we can meet again on Sunday. And then that Sunday morning comes. Oh my, Stuart, Stuart, she's bringing three new people with her, but she led to Jesus. Stuart, Stuart, we're going to go double meetings right now. We haven't even got time. to look, 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 he's bringing four people with him. You've got some eccentrics in family church. They're going to bring like 400 with them. I don't know what we are going to do. That's you and me. Let's not wait for what a normal we knew was to return. But let's rise to our feet and be soul winners. The harvest is calling and we must go. Listen, I want to pray for you today if you've never given your life to Jesus. Maybe you're listening to this message and you're like, yeah, I've not really thought of my soul. But to lose that is to lose everything. Yes, it is. But I'm not just talking about what happens after you die. You see, when you allow the Lord to be the king of your heart, like we sung this morning, he takes your life here and now and makes it incredible i heard too many Christians kind of preach the gospel in a way like, well, I just put up with life now, and, but one day you'll go to heaven. No, 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 no. That's not my experience. My experience is when I gave my life to Jesus, he took my life here and now, and he made it incredible. He made it beautiful. He made it work correctly. He made it make sense. He gave it purpose. He gave me relationship here and now with him. But also I have an assurance that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. That one day when I close my eyes in this life, I'll be present with him for all eternity. You can have that assurance too. If you're watching today and you've never given your life to Jesus, or maybe you've been away from God and you just feel the alarm clock going off. I need to get my life right with God. That's brilliant. One prayer, one prayer, one prayer. I'm going to pray now. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And when you say amen with me at the end, that seals that that prayer has just created for you a new day, a new birth. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we believe Jesus Christ died on the cross. We believe that he is the Son of God. We believe, Jesus, that you are the Son of God come from heaven to save us, that there's no other way to the Father or his kingdom but through you. You have a good shepherd, you have a lion of Judah, but you have a gateway that people come through to find eternal life and restored relationship with God. Jesus, right now, we believe that you died on the cross for us. You paid for our sin. You've given us a new life that comes through new birth. And right now, Jesus, thank you for our sins forgiven. King Jesus, thank you for a new life that begins right now. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Let our lives begin to transform, even this very hour. Jesus, I call you friend and saviour. Amen. 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 The moment you say amen, that prayer is yours. Doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer today, I'd love to hear from you. Would you write me an email and let me know that you've prayed that prayer, that you've come back to God today, or you've given your life to Jesus for the first time? Listen, we'd love to send you some literature, a book written by a dear friend of ours on knowing Jesus more. All you need to do is contact me on Andy, um, andy at family.church, and that'll, your email will come to me. Listen, I hope you've enjoyed this morning. Again, it's super excited about the launch of Soul Winner, not just because it's a book written. Uh, by someone that didn't think he'd ever write a book. But it's the moment we're in and the time that's at hand. This book, I promise you, will equip you and send you to be the sole winner the Lord has invited you to be. Have an incredible week. Don't forget to stay um, in contact with our website to see all the changes and how they outwork. Father, I thank you that this week, your people will know your blessing and your goodness. Lord, this week, Lord, healing will break out in homes, and and provision will break out, jobs will be protected, and your light will shine on your people, and we'll be left giving you the glory. Amen. God bless.